It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Been a long one, but uh, it's been a lot of fun as well. Um, it's good to feel wanted. You know, it's good to feel uh, wanted by the Phillies organization, by the fan base, by the city as well. Over the fastball. In the right center field, the first one the Phillies uniform is a bomb into the second deck for Bryce Harper, and the Phillies lead it seven to four. Or that fastball. <laughs> Now it's time for some baseball talk on Fighting Phillies Podcast. Here's Rich Baxter bringing you the latest Phillies news, interviews, and analysis. Split the gap and go to the scoreboard. This should clear the bases. Drop to the second. It's a three-run bases clearing double. And the Phillies take a... Yes, in- yes indeedy. Just what the doctor ordered. And welcome aboard to this week's edition of Phillies Talk. It's the Phillies Talk podcast, the longest-running independent show talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. And this week, uh, we have an awful lot to get to, a ton of surprises for the Phillies, and I'm joined again by my good friend, Mr. Matt Vesey. How you doing, Matt? Great, Rich. How you doing? Not too bad on the uh, midweek here. The Phillies out on the West Coast. It's been tough for people that get up early in the morning and watch this baseball club uh, into the night. Uh, I can't make it past three innings usually when the Phillies are out on the West Coast. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm usually, in, in past years, I've been the same way. It's uh, hit or miss with me, but uh, for a lot of years, I worked shift work. So, you know, when I was doing that, there were some times when I was actually awake when the games were on. Uh, I remember when I was younger, as a working as a young police officer in Philadelphia, I was actually working in a, a three to eleven shift on the night that uh, the Phillies were playing out. I can't remember who they were playing, San Diego maybe. Uh, but what ended up happening was I was asked if I was interested in working in overtime detail into the overnight hours. Um, we had what they called a club detail back in those days and you would work until the the clubs closed now we're talking here about like some after hour clubs so you were there till three in the morning and then you know by the time those clubs emptied out actually and the cars were all gone it was more like three thirty-four. so uh, I, th- I believe you know we were scheduled to work until like five o'clock in the morning so what happens is of course that ends up being the night that the Phillies play that legendary uh, long game where Mitch Williams ended up hitting the walk-off hit. Uh, I think they played something like 19 innings. It had been delayed by rain or something. We ended up listening to that Phillies game uh, while we were working all night long, uh, which was unusual. You know, I, I didn't know, you know, never expected that I'd be working until 4 o'clock in the morning and still listening to a Phillies game at that time. But... Yeah. Uh, with these current West Coast games now, this year I've been doing my Phillies Nation duty, uh, and I think out of the three games in LA, 
and three in San Diego, I had something along the lines of three or four of them where I was covering the game. So uh, I had kind of volunteered for that because uh, my schedule allows me to be up a little later nowadays. So uh, I was up last night, uh, covered the game, and then wrote the post-game story. I think I didn't get to bed until about 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I kind of tweeted out earlier in the day, is this a must-win for the Phillies? Obviously, they had to break that losing streak. They're on a five-game total losing streak, but four games out on the West Coast were, were all losers. It felt good to get a win under the belt again. Yeah, very, very necessary, uh, especially to see the offense break out. They hadn't scored a lot of runs. I believe it was something like 11 runs over the last five games total. And it wasn't since their last win, which I think was uh, last Wednesday, a week ago today, I believe it was St. Louis where they scored 11 runs and that was the last time they won a game and the last time the offense really produced at all. So it was good to see that. I didn't like to see yet another bullpen meltdown, but everything else was good about the game. The bats woke up. Eikhoff looked great. Neris closed it out uh, pretty well again. So uh, they're, they're just, you know, there's not a lot they can do about that bullpen that, you know, Sixth, seventh, eighth inning mix. It's, it's going to be really hard, and there's not a lot they can do because of all the injuries they've suffered. You can't just go out and just keep filling holes and keep filling holes. Uh, you know, Kimbrel's out there. A lot of people keep talking about signing him, and that would certainly help uh, as far as from a depth pers- perspective, b- bumping Neris back to set up role. Uh, so I'm, in, I'm cer- would certainly be in favor of that, but. That's one spot. I mean, they they really need to find two or three guys that they can count on um, in those you know six seventh uh, inning roles. That would be even if they got a Kimbrel. So um, with Adam Morgan now going on the IL, it's they're just in a tough spot, and I don't I don't envy Kapler what he's going through. Yeah, and the Phillies adding Vince Velasquez to the mix there, uh, coming in in relief. He hasn't been that good. <laughs> Of course, I kind of hard, I guess, to transition yourself from a starting pitcher to a relief role. Um, usually you're somewhat under pressure coming out of the bullpen, so it's an area that Velasquez isn't really familiar with yet, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with that bullpen going forward. But since we last talked to you on the last podcast, um, a hell of a lot of changes for the Phillies. We had a terrible season ending injury with Andrew McCutcheon uh, and that was hard to take of course coming on the heels of O'Double's troubles in Atlantic City that we talked about on the last show but um, and then getting Jay Bruce from the Mariners which I didn't think would work out but I guess I'm going to have to eat some crow after last night well it's one game and I think that, you know, they would have preferred, I think we all would have preferred, I mean, probably everybody except Jay Bruce <laughs> would have preferred that uh, we had Bruce as a left-handed bat, power bat off the bench, which is what the they, they ideally wanted him for. Maybe take some uh, at-bats at away from Hoskins against a tough right-hander to play first base once in a while. Uh, take some at-bats uh, in left field 
from time to time, but I think they would have preferred to have him maybe start two, three times a week and otherwise be a lefty power bat off the bench. And that's clearly not going to happen right now unless, you know, there are some further additions or, or major changes. But right now it looks like Bruce is the starting left fielder for the, for the rest of this year probably. Yeah, and it's amazing uh, the changes that have just taken place on the team within the last 10 days um, and just how cer- certain players have stepped up to the role. Uh, Jay Bruce with a debut last night that I think will go down into Philly's history as probably the best debut uh, a player has made with the club. I was bringing up some stats on um, baseballreference.com. I recently... Um, extended my play um, index subscription and I just ran before the show the most RBIs in one game by a Philly and Mike Schmidt and Jason Worth hold the record with eight ribbies in one game uh, with the Phillies but Jay Bruce is number 16 tied with a lot of others uh, for six RBIs in a game which he produced last night including a grand slam. I mean, how could you make such a better debut than that as Jay Bruce did last night? Uh, You said it all, you know, and it's certainly what we needed from Bruce. Now he has that kind of impact. And this is a guy who uh, already on this season, counting what he did while he was with Seattle uh, now has 16 home runs and I think something along the lines of 34 RBIs, uh, 39 runs scored. And if you look at the Phillies uh, team leaders, he would be overall, he's the Phillies team leader in home runs. So uh, he, he he certainly adds an impact bat to the squad. He's not a, a great average hitter, sort of like Bryce Harper along those lines. Uh, doesn't have quite the, the, the batting eye. That Harper has, but he has that kind of power that Harper has. He's another left-handed big stick. So, you know, he will bring some impact, but it's going to be, I think you'll see Bruce, assuming he's a starter the rest of the year, he's going to go on hot and cold streaks. And when he's hot, you know, he's the type of hitter who can carry the team for a week. Uh, when he's cold, he's the type of hitter who will get Phillies fans who are on social media talking about how, you know, it was a bad trade and uh, you'll hear all the negative you know commentary come out when he's in one of his maybe two week long you know funks but on balance over the course of the next four months this looks like it could be uh, uh, a key pivotal pickup much more than it was intended to be I think in the beginning yeah and my remembrance of Jay Bruce goes back to the Reds of course I never knew that he came up as young as he did. He came up as a 21-year-old with the Reds, and probably his best career, best part of his career was with the Reds, obviously. Uh, Him, Joey Votto, and a couple of others over there. But, uh, yeah, I think he has a lot left in the tank. He's 32 years of age. Hardly, uh, I assumed he was older before I actually looked. I started tweeting out that I didn't like the sound of the trade. Uh, mainly because some Mets fans had really railed against Bruce for one reason or another. As you said, he could be a streaky player, home run hitter, 
not always coming through in the clutch, but uh, certainly last night he single-handedly uh, gave the Phillies a win last night. Um, what, a, what a debut. I can't think of any other player. Uh, I think Chase Utley homered on his debut as a Philly, which is certainly uh, a great feat. But uh, to, to come on board with a grand slam is just amazing. I think that's what we expected a little bit from Bryce Harper to see this kind of a game come out of him. And we haven't seen it yet. But uh, Harper, as you said, has been quietly uh, building as a Philly. He's still in the mix, uh, obviously, with that salary he's getting, going to be delivering. And we haven't seen the best from him yet. So if all three Phillies, Hoskins, Jay Bruce now, and uh, Bryce Harper start firing off at the same time, we could see some routes yeah, Harper, well, Harper leads the team in RBIs with 43, so he's doing his job, and that's in about a third of the season. So he's on about 120 RBI pace, and the only thing, the only problem anybody should have a problem with Harper with right now is his batting average. Other than that, and his batting average has actually come up. Um, he's been hot now, if you consider hot being an over 300 hitter, probably for the better part of three weeks now. He was hitting below 220 as recently as May 15th, uh, May 14th, and now he's up to 247. So he's raised, and it's hard, it gets harder as the season goes along to raise your average 30 points, and that's pretty much what he's done. Uh, another two-hit game last night. He's He has had a couple of those big games. Um, he's had you know multi-RBI games, uh, plenty of multi-hit games recently. Recently, he had a streak at the end of May where he had something along the lines of like a, a four out of five multi-hit games. So uh, Harper is, I'm not at all, even the least little bit worried about Harper. Uh, he's doing everything that I expected him to do. And I do think that he's going got even more in the in the tank. I think you're, we, you're right there. We are going to see more from him. And giving back to Jay Bruce... Uh, you're talking about how long he's been around. Uh, Phillies fans probably don't remember this, but Jay Bruce has been around so long that he was actually playing with the Reds in that 2010 NLDS when the Phillies and Reds, uh, when the Phillies swept the Reds in 2010, and he went 0 for 2 with a walk in that famous no hitter of Roy Halladay's in game one of the 2010 NLDS. So that's how long Bruce has been around a while now. Yeah, he's certainly uh, a home run hitter with the Reds. Uh, joined the Mets in 2016, I believe they they brought him over, and he didn't do much. Um, actually, let me bring up some of his stats while we're talking. Um, and then he got sort of a bad rap in New York. Um, let's see here. He had nine home runs and 37 RBIs in 2018 with them, but in his 2016 debut, he only played 50 games, eight home runs and 19 ribbies. So he kind of struggled in New York. Um, just going from memory from some Met fans that used to tweet on a daily basis, you know, why did they pick up Jay Bruce? But, of course, as well, they were paying him a ton of money as well. And somehow the Phillies and all this mix, and this is a no, it, it, 
I can't believe it to me. Why would the Mariners trade Jay Bruce and pay most of his salary to the Phillies? I can't figure that out. Uh, that's a good one. It's a good question, and I don't know either. And uh, I, I, I applaud, once again, applaud Matt Klentak. He's going back to last offseason, and now with this move, he's made some you know good moves for the team. He's going to have to keep finding good moves if he wants to keep this club not just on top of the division, but even in the wild card mix, it's it's going to get very difficult. I put out a piece, uh, it was my first uh, MLB power rankings uh, this past weekend, and I don't make my power rankings based on what I feel. Uh, there's nothing um, objective about it. It's not like I are subjective about it. It's not like I decide who I think is the best team. Um, I look at the statistics, and I have a component of offense, defense, and um, so the hitting, the defense, and the uh, pitching of each club. And then I also factor in the win-loss record because I think there is something to be said for a team that is able to outperform uh, their statistics like the Phillies have been. And in my compilation, the Phillies came out ranked 15th in my power ranking out of the 30 MLB teams. Now, I've seen a lot of places like ESPN and other sites uh, have the Phillies as high as seventh in their most recent power rankings. And I can't see how that's based on anything more than their standing in the their actual position and win-loss record. Because the Phillies statistically just are not performing up to the level of a top 10 MLB team. They're winning despite themselves so far, and it's going to get harder and harder to do that as you keep losing players, especially key players like McCutcheon, like Adam Morgan. Um, these types of, you know, they they just lost another starter in Eflin. Now they're going to get him back on Friday, but, you know, Fluck in the rotation with Velasquez not being able to uh, hack it in the rotation with not being able to take a step forward. Uh, Aaron Nola, certainly he's been much better over his last, say, four or five starts, but he isn't pitching at anywhere near the caliber that he was last year when he was a Cy Young contender. The bullpen, we all know, I mean, it's taken a major hit, lost about six uh, key arms that we were expecting to utilize this season. Now the, the starting lineup has lost three out of the eight players that they expected at the beginning of the season. And you have a 23-year-old rookie who was in double-A ball just something like a week ago, a little over a week ago. Now is your starting center fielder. You have a super utility guy who's supposed to be your second baseman of the future is now taken over as your starting third baseman. So uh, you have a guy who wasn't on the team three days ago is now your starting left fielder. So the Phillies have a lot of issues right now, and there's still a lot of talent. Uh, they're going to need a guy like Reese Hoskins to really start getting it back together. They're going to need Harper to step up. They're going to need Cesar Hernandez to uh, get back to the way he was hitting in May. He just went through, he had a hit his last time up last night to snap a one for 21 funk. So, you know, Clentac is going to have to work. Uh, they're going to have to find some more pieces. Uh, the Braves are really still a really talented young ball club who haven't hit their stride yet. 
and who are the defending division champs. So I'm not trying to paint a, a, a bleak picture here for the Phillies. They're in first place still, but they have a number of issues, and they're, they're not as strong a ball club as I think some teams think, some fans think they are right now. Yeah, and certainly uh, to back that up, I get occasional emails from Las Vegas. Now, of course, that's not such a big deal because New Jersey and Pennsylvania both have sports betting, but they had their um, top teams listed here. Uh, as of May 1st, the Phillies were at 12-1. to 1. They stay the same as of June the 3rd at 12 to 1 to win the 2019 World Series. They are fifth picked um, behind teams like the Astros, the Dodgers, the Yankees. Um, but yeah, they're still up there in Vegas's eyes too as a team to win the World Series. So a lot of hype around the Phillies. Uh, as you said, they have to start talking the talk and walking the walk, so to speak, uh, to make it happen. Because we know from watching them day in and day out, it's a it's a very thin piece of ice they walk sometimes, especially with the bullpen, the uh, offense not always firing on all cylinders. But they're wrapping up the West Coast road trip that's uh, so far been quite a disaster. And maybe they can get out of San Diego with uh, – some sort of semblance of uh, goodness with a win this afternoon, come home and they face the uh, Cardinals at home. So, or I'm sorry, the Reds at home. Um, so Jay Bruce's old team will be uh, in town to face him and we'll see, maybe he can welcome them to citizens bank park with a couple home runs. Yeah. They have a very huge homestand coming up. <clears throat> it's a six game homestand where they host, as you said, the Reds and then the Diamondbacks. Neither of those teams is lighting the world on fire. The Reds are playing much better this year. They're actually only five and a half games out in their division, but uh, they're six out in the lost column, and they're in last place. They'd have to climb over a bunch of teams, and they don't really have the the type of squad who's, who's going to make it over the long haul of uh, the 162 games this year. This is a... You know, it's, it's a last-place team is the bottom line with Cincinnati Reds. And then you have the Arizona Diamondbacks who are – they've lost seven of their last ten. They've fallen under the 500 mark after a hot start to the season. And that's another team that the Phillies have to take advantage of. These, these six games at home are pivotal because what happens after that, if you take a look at the schedule, Rich, the Phillies actually, after this six-game stretch at home, they play nothing but divisional opponents again until even th- uh, up till through and after the MLB All-Star break. So we're talking about over a month where the Phillies will face nobody but Atlanta, the Mets, Washington, and Miami. So that's a, a that, that is a tremendously huge you know month uh, month plus of play for the Phillies that's coming up. I think leading into that, this six-game home stand against Cincinnati and Arizona is really a key. I mean, you really like to see them take at least four of these six games and maybe more. Now, with all the problems that they're having, you know, the Phillies themselves aren't, you know, uh, world beaters at the moment. So you, you just hope that the team can 
gel fast, get it together, and, um, and and be able to have a great homestand here coming up. And it would be nice to, even before that starts, get out of San Diego with a series win. Uh, they'll have a chance today. I think they're going up against a rookie pitcher. So uh, th- this is a key game this afternoon as well. Yes, it is. Every game uh, going forward, of course, the Phillies clinging to a half-game lead in the L- NL East. And as you said, the Braves are right on their heels. They've been playing some great baseball. I'm looking for a better-pitched game from Jake Arietta today. Uh, I'd really like to be in his corner, but uh, it seems like he's gotten good at times this year, and then he showed his bad side as well. He's 5-5 five and five on the year. He'll be on the mound again for the Phillies today. Uh, career against the Padres here. I'm looking at the press notes. Career, he's 2-2 two and two against him with a 4.60 ERA for whatever that's worth. But um, let's hope he has a good game today because uh, his last start wasn't so hot. No, that's true. But uh, he, he's had a good year, Arietta, on the whole. He's... Arguably been, except for the surprise in Eflin, he's arguably been their their top starting pitcher. Eight of his twelve starts have been quality starts. The you know he, his last outing against the Dodgers. Now, for me, you look at the Dodgers lineup. And we just saw it for three games close up, but just look at their record. Look at the fact that the Dodgers have won six straight NL West crowns two straight National League pennants. You look at their record this year, you see what they just did in three games at home against the Phillies. The Dodgers are clearly the best team in the National League right now, and it's not even close. Everybody else, the Phillies are in a big scrum with teams like the Brewers, the Cubs, um, you know, the Padres maybe even, uh, the Braves, you know, the teams like this for jocelyn for that you know the other division crowns and the wild card spots and the dodgers are going to be the team to beat unless there's they suffer some kind of major collapse which i don't see happening they're a very deep squad and talented squad so what you're looking at here is uh, i'm throwing out arietta's last start five innings he gave up 10 hits and five earned to the dodgers so I'm willing to give them that one against the best team in National League, maybe the best team in baseball. Uh, they were at the top of my power rankings this week. His two starts before that, he pitched on the road as well, in Chicago against the Cubs and in Milwaukee. Two good clubs, two playoff caliber teams. And he basically shut those two teams down. 14 innings, he allowed 13 total hits and three earned runs. Struck out 12, walked three in the combined two games. So, like I said, I'm look. I'm willing to right now. I'm, I would call Arietta uh, my best bet. If I got to put one Phillies pitcher on the mound in a wild card game to start, I'm starting Arietta, uh, frankly. And then maybe you know coming in with uh, the bullpen after that. But uh, I like Arietta, and I'm looking for a big uh, start this afternoon. Very good. I hope he uh, lives up to that and. Uh... I hope he can do well this afternoon. Of course, uh, on Thursday, June 6th, the Phillies are off. It's an off day for them, but there will be a celebration at Citizens Bank Park uh, starting at 3.05 p.m. Just thought I'd mention this uh, for David Montgomery, uh, of course, Phillies chairman 
and part owner. They're going to have a celebration of his life at Citizens Bank Park starting at 3.05. The ballpark will open at 2 p.m. Parking in lots at Citizens Bank Park will be free for those attending the celebration. So that'll be nice. I wish I was able to attend that, but uh, unfortunately I won't be able to. But I'm sure the press will be covering it. And uh, Of course, David Montgomery died uh, on May 8th at age of 72. Uh, with a five-year battle against cancer. So any fans out there that are listening to this podcast want to take part in that and can uh, go out to the ballpark on Thursday afternoon, uh, you might want to consider it. It's one of those times uh, where being a Phillies fan really uh, hits home with a lot of people. So uh, check it out June 6th, 3.05 p.m., celebration for david montgomery and uh matt another piece of philly's history to talk about here pete rose with a brand new book uh came out yesterday for purchase uh called play hungry the making of a baseball player is out i'll have a review later today on fightingphillies.com it's a pretty good book nothing too uh, uh controversial in it so to speak but um, it's a book that I think is a good summer read out there for people. Yeah, I, I've heard that he has it coming out. And uh, the things that I have heard about it, uh, you're going to do a review. So you're probably going to have a lot more on it. But um, from what I'm hearing, it's very baseball heavy uh, and family heavy and not really very you know, controversial. You know, talking about his gambling or anything. It's more about you know, baseball and his familiar relationships and that type of thing. So um, at this point in, in Rose's career, you know, in his life, uh, I think that's the kind of book that he needs, you know, something we all know. If you judge Pete, if you judge Pete Rose solely on his playing career, Pete Rose is a no doubt about it, first ballot Hall of Famer, maybe even a unanimous Hall of Famer. If Rose had never had any gambling issues or any other issues, you know, and it was just based on his playing career, uh, there's no ped, you know, uh, controversy with Rose. He's the all-time MLB hit king. Um, you and I, you know, saw a lot of his career, I'm sure, or at least I saw a lot of the second half of his career and his you know, five-year uh, stint here in Philadelphia. He was the missing link, if you will, in the 1980 World Series champions. Helped the team uh, reach two World Series. Pete Rose would be on the Wall of Fame in Philadelphia, down there at Citizens Bank Park already, if uh, a, a controversial story hadn't broken in the news just about two weeks before he was due to be inducted. I don't know yeah, what the Phillies never... would have done if that's <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what would happen if the Phillies would have if that story would have broke three weeks after it did, and he was already on the Wall of Fame. What would they have done? And then we uh, haven't heard anything from that story since. That's the odd it's, thing. It's really strange, you know, in that the story broke right when you know he had been honored by the Reds, and then he was about to be honored by the Phillies, and it seemed like you know then it popped up. And then, like you said, right after that, like immediately after the Phillies had announced the cancellation and the, the furor kind of had died down, it disappeared totally. Now, where you know, that doesn't seem right to me. Where, where's the media been on this story? If there was any teeth to this, 
Um, why hasn't Rose been, why hasn't this been followed up a little more aggressively by the media? If there was really any teeth to this story, um, I, I have a lot of questions about it. And, and if there isn't anything, then I have a lot of questions as to why Pete Rose couldn't be on the Phillies wall of fame again. Now, I know yeah. there are people out there who will say, uh, Oh no, he's a scumbag, you know, or all, all the things he did. Well, what things did he do? I mean, if he did all these things, why isn't it in the media still? Why was it only in the media for about two weeks when he was about to be honored by the Phillies and it's disappeared since then? If he was, if it was so egregious and outrageous what he did, uh, why yeah. hasn't it been pursued any further? Yeah. It hasn't. Yeah. So you would have it's think very, you very shady to me. Yeah, you would think you would have heard some sort of follow-up and uh, the Phillies caved into social media pressure and hype around what was going on at the time. And and I think I part of the problem is Rose doesn't make himself. He's not a very sympathetic figure. You know, the gambling, the suspension, his he's boisterous, outrageous, you know, uh, he, he's over kind of an over-the-top caricature type character. And he has elicited a lot of negative opinion from people, especially people who weren't around, uh, who didn't get to see him play. And to have seen him play, uh, especially at his peak or even towards the end of his career when he was still a good ball player, you know, you pretty much have to be in your upper 40s or even older, you know, maybe into your 50s. So uh, there's not a lot of sympathy and you're not, you know, you're not at this point. I don't think we're going to see it happen. Um, but I still think Pete Rose deserves a place on the Phillies wall of fame. Uh, just to, if you want to say that guys with short Phillies careers, like Jim Tomei, who didn't win a world series here, Roy Halladay, who didn't win a world series here, uh, deserve to be on the wall of fame just because they're in the hall of fame. Uh, I'll understand that, but they had even shorter careers here than Rose did and didn't win a world championship. Um, I think that Rose deserves a place on the Phillies wall of fame and I'll, I'll stand by that and uh, I'll take any criticism. Anybody wants to give me for saying it. Yeah. Pete Rose, definitely uh, in the chapter of Phillies history that uh, will never be forgotten. Um, And his style of play for people that watched him play, uh, they'll never forget that either. So, um, We'll see what happens. Of course, Rose, 78 years old now and uh, still going strong, lives out in Las Vegas, apparently. And um, someone had tweeted out a a few comments about his recent appearance on uh, Fox Sports and things like that on radio. And they they wished he had, (coughs) excuse me, a podcast because of the way he talks about baseball, his knowledge about players. He follows the game and the individual players uh, every day. So to hear him talk about baseball is another interesting uh, topic because he's very knowledgeable. I think if you, uh, you probably did, um, most real hardcore baseball fans did follow uh, Fox Sports, I believe it was, maybe just two, three years ago when Rose was on their, I think it was a, a postseason postgame show and it was i believe it was if my memory serves correctly pete rose frank thomas and maybe alex rodriguez and with some host 
and they were fantastic. Uh, it was one of the best post-game shows that I'd seen, and Rose was a pivotal part of that. Uh, he has tremendous insight into the game. He's He likes to talk, obviously. He's, he's opinionated. He's not a, afraid to express his opinion, so he's certainly not bland on the air. And he got along well with, it seemed like he got along well with Rodriguez and Thomas uh, as far as their exchanges go. So, uh, yeah, Pete Rose is fantastic as far as talking about baseball goes. Yes, indeed. So uh, pick yourself up a copy of Pete Rose, Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player. It's out now on Penguin Press Books. You can also get the Kindle version. Uh, Order it up or stop into your local bookstore. Support your local retail outlets, as I try to do. Well, Matt, it's been a great show again, talking baseball. I'm almost afraid of what the next 10 days will hold for the Phillies <laughs> <laughs> with all the changes we've seen in the last 10. Uh, can we take much more of this upheaval? I'm going to bless myself and say a couple of prayers. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's only baseball, you know, but um, you know, it's the kind of thing that we live and breathe as far as uh, having a good time and an enjoyment and a distraction from, quote, real life. And uh, the Phillies, you know, if you think about it, Rich, I go back to the first series of the season when they were playing the Braves and it was all new Harper's first games and all these new guys, Rio Mudo, Segura, McCutcheon, and they basically blew the door off the Braves. And Citizens Bank Park was hopping and full like we hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And it it just looked like, you know, the Braves had been the defending champs. And it just looked like the Phillies put them on their place and said, uh, you know, you might have been the young up and coming team who won the division last year, but we're back now and you're going to have to deal with this. And it's really ever since then, there, like you said, there've been a, it's been a real roller coaster. The Phillies haven't gone on a four-game winning streak yet this year. Uh, this five-game losing streak they just had was the first time they had lost more than three in a row all year. So they really had been going kind of like back and forth, back and forth. They had a, a little kind of a 10-day, two-week stretch where they kind of bursted away from everybody in the division. That five-game losing streak reeled them back in. So... Uh, Jeez, you know, four long months almost still ahead, and and uh, they've already taken so many hits to this roster. And, uh, we just hopefully uh, the guys that are left can step up, and uh, the new guys can come in and and do something. And the guy I'm really going to be looking at, I'm going to be very interested to see how he handles everything. Is Adam Hazley? Uh, this kid's a really good-looking prospect. He obviously can play center field. Saw him uh, run down a ball nicely that was into the gap uh, late in the game yesterday. So. He obviously can play the position. So now it's a question of, he went over four, can he adjust to big league hitting? And it's the biggest step, I think, in pro sports, is trying to go from hitting and being a player in the minor leagues of baseball to succeeding at the major league baseball level. Uh, unless you're a truly elite talent, the guys who are just going to be like maybe decent to good players – uh, emerging as that in the big leagues from being a decent prospect is really tough. And uh, they've really thrown Hazley into the fire here. So uh, he, uh, he's the guy I'm really going to be looking at. And uh, I'm not expecting a lot out of him. So if I get anything out of his bat, I'm going to be very happy. 
but as an all-around ball player, I'm going to be interested to see how he, he handles himself this first time around. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He certainly looks like he could be a good ball player, and he has proven that in the minors. He's risen up pretty quickly through the minor league process, and we know the Phillies love to keep players down in the minors for uh, at least till they're 25 or so. So uh, it's well, refreshing. Well, you know why he's here, you know, Herrera, yeah. McCutcheon. Yeah. Uh, Altair, Roman Quinn. But it's refreshing. Uh, it's just Nick Williams. I mean, they've just yeah. been so de- de- destroyed in the outfield depth. It, so. It's so refreshing, though, to see a younger player be brought up. I know it was a combination of uh, the planets aligning for him to, to make it to the big leagues. But, you know, this is so different than what the Phillies do. They usually keep somebody groomed down in the minors too long, in my opinion. Bring him up to the fire. Throw him in. Let him see what he can do. Uh, you can't go wrong sometimes with a player like that. If they're going to be good, they're going to be good uh, from the start. So, as you said, we'll keep an eye on Adam Hazley. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Before we uh, end the podcast, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you on the Internet, Matt? Well, the two biggest places, Rich, I'm very active on Twitter. So if they want to follow my Twitter feed, it's at Matthew Vizi, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-V-E-A-S-E-Y. So at Matthew Vizi on Twitter and also at Phillies Nation, um, the Twitter feed and philliesnation.com. I write there almost every day. So uh, those are the two best places to find me. I'm right here with you, Rich. Very awesome. Yeah, the Phillies Talk podcast. Subscribe. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes or BaseballTalkRadio.com, we'd love to hit you. Have that hit the subscribe button so you can listen to us and get our updates uh, with every show. Matt, you take care, and I'll talk to you again on the next edition of Phillies Talk Podcast. Sounds good, Rick. Go Phils.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.